short series on God's pleasure. Hope you hope this is um, encouraging you to like to really pursue the Lord. My heart's desire and prayer has been for you to be filled with the knowledge of his pleasure so that your life can, you know, really reflect the worth, the value, the greatness of Jesus Christ, that our lives, not what just not just what we do, but what we say can, re- can reflect this greatness of God in all that we do. We won't do that perfectly, but by the grace of God and by the spirit of God, we can grow more um, to really be on fire for God. We, we, we took time on Thursday to really talk about really being on fire for God. Um, that, 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 you know, we've been looking at the, at the parable of the ten virgins, and five of them were foolish. Five of them took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. And just trying to understand, God, we want to take oil with us. Amen? Not just the lamp. Not just be, uh, just be um, just people of the word. But we need God to take that word by the Holy Spirit and turn it into and ignite it in our hearts. Amen. So, so you know, we're, 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 that's our prayer. That's my desire that you'll be filled with a passion for the knowledge of his will. So let's pray. Let's read Colossians 1 9. Then we will pray. And so from the day we heard from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Father, thank you for this few minutes that we can have together to just um, zero in on your heart, Lord. I want to speak your heart, not just what I want to say, but what you, oh God, want to speak, God, to us today. Ignite in us, Lord, a passion for your name and do it through the knowledge of your word, the knowledge of his will, to be filled with the knowledge. Your knowledge is so important. For what you want to do in our lives, we've got to grow in knowledge. Lord, it is impossible to grow without knowledge. And so we pray today that you would help us to uh, be attentive, to, to stay focused. Lord, I don't know. It's hard, I, it's hard to tell, even as I preach, uh, who's, atten- who's, speak, who, who's, th- who's thinking about what I'm saying, who's meditating, or who's distracted, Lord. And I just pray today that you would bring us a holy focus so that, Lord, that these things can, Lord, just um, kindle something in us that we could grow and be the people that you want us to be. God, I think about so often that, Lord, the, the, the sobering thought of some hearing on that day, depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, God, I pray that there will be nobody here that will hear that ever. And, Lord, the sobering reality is that there probably are. And so we pray today, God, that you would help us to hear. Help us, Lord, to pursue you with a passion for your great name. We knew how to do that in the world. We, we went 100% for the things that are, Lord, destructive. Oh, God, turn that around and make us go 100% with you to lay it all down and to trust you little by little, not perfectly, but to really, Lord, to really lay down our lives before you. So God, thank you for this morning, what you did. And Lord, anoint us now, anoint me and help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what is God's will? God's will refers to that desire in God for pleasure. You know, God, God is a God of great pleasure. And that, that's, that's the knowledge that, 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 that Paul wants you to know, to tap into the pleasure of God. And his pleasures are infinite, you know. His pleasures are, un, uh, you, can't, you won't be able to contain God's pleasure, right? He, 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 oh, 
And whenever you feel God's pleasure, he's just giving you like a picture, a little picture. God's pleasures are infinite. And so he's, um, so that's what we're after, right? That's what P- Paul w- wants us to be filled, the knowledge of that. Psalm 135, verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, whatever he delights in, that's what he does. And so we began to ask the question, what is God's, the particular object that God has pleasure in it? And so we're, we're taking this approach of trying to really lay some foundation to be able to answer that question. So we come to Psalm 149, and we read Psalm 149. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion uh, rejoice in their kings. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and, and, and lyre. We begin to understand that the, these last six chapters of, of, of Psalms really um, are really a portrait, a portrait of something climactic that God will do in history. God is going somewhere uh, in history. Um, you, you and I are not going anywhere that God doesn't go, period. God is going somewhere. You may want to go your places, but that, at the end of that, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. But if you go where God goes, there's life. Amen? It's, very, it's not that complicated, right? I, I love the simplicity of life, right, of what God presents to us, that he's going somewhere. Either you get on his ship or you will be shipwrecked. Amen? He's going somewhere. Everything, every other destination will fail. Every other destination, I don't care what it is. If God is not in it, if God is not, he's going somewhere, everything else will be destroyed. Amen? So we want to we lay hold of, and Psalm 146, 145, 146, gives us a really great portrait of this last climactic salvation that we will, ex- that we will experience in Christ. So we, so we began to consider all that in the book of um, uh, Psalms, particularly the end and how Psalm 145 through 150 gives us a preview, an eschatological preview, something of the last state. So study it. Be, go there often. You know, this is the end of all things. Psalm 146 to 150, God's giving you a portrait of the end, the last state. So meditate on that. And, um, and, and he's, God's been declaring this from the very beginning, right? Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient time, things not yet done. And so God, has, God is concerned with the end. God is passionate about the end. God can't wait to the end. Amen? But, you know, but we began to answer seven questions. So let me give, I'm going to give you, because I'm not going to finish this. I decided I'm not going to finish this. I'm going to give you seven questions that, that, that the Psalm, 50, Psalm 150, and, and I'm just going to give it to you. Seven questions that the Psalm 150 answers that you you can go. We'll do a couple of these, but then I'm not going to do them all. I'll do them all. All right, so there are seven questions concerning this eschatological age, the last state, that Psalm 150 is going to speak as ultimate reality. Do you know what I mean? Like ultimate reality is like the final reality. Like we are becoming. Truly, in a way, let me tell you, you know, and this might sound a little philosophical, only God is we are becoming we are in the process of being <laughs> right does that make sense only god has ultimate reality fixed unchanging reality you and i we change we're getting praise god we're going from better right we, we're getting better <laughs> but uh, we're becoming but god is ultimate in reality we're going into that reality through Christ. 
because of the work of Christ, we're going to go into this final reality, a last state of who you are in Christ. Amen? And so, so Psalm, 140, Psalm 150 gives us this final reality, ultimate reality. Now, you got to, Psalm 150 is so good because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to convict us of what, I, what am I making so much fuss about in this world and how much of that priority matches with the ultimate reality of God in Psalm 150. But, the, but, but so, so what Psalm 150 is going to answer questions regarding ultimate reality. Here are seven of them. So I'm just going to give it to you, and you can go home and now and, and, and just study. We'll, give a couple, we'll do a couple of them, but then we're, we're not going to do them all. It's just too great and too vast. First of all, and this is, I really should have started with this last week, and we will today. First, what is the ultimate, ultimate eschatological activity? What is the ultimate reality in terms of what we're going to do? That's what Psalm 150 is going to tell you that. What is the ultimate? And we'll take that, we'll take that up today. But what is the ultimate activity that we're going to, the ultimate? Secondly, Psalm 150 is going to answer who is the ultimate object of that activity, <laughs> of that eschatological praise, right? Who is, who is going to be the object? It's going to be distributed. There's 50% here, 30% there. No, right? So it's going to give us that. Thirdly, um, where? Where is, this, where is this ultimate reality? Where will it take place? Right? I'm going to do that one, I think. Where is this ultimate? What is, the, what is the end place? What is the location for this ultimate reality? Right? Fourthly, what is the ultimate reason for this praise? What, at the end of the day, God gives us many reasons, many reasons. But what is the ultimate reason that will prevail in this ultimate reality of praise? Right? right? We want, these, are, these are question number five. According to what standard will we experience and when we will give this praise what is the ultimate standard for that praise to God according to what question number six I might do this one <laughs> what is the ultimate manner how ultimately how will we experience eschatological praise in an ultimate sense. I might cover that. Because I think some of us have to be reminded. So it's, that's the question of how. What is the manner ultimately on the end? Psalm 50 is going to give us an ultimate reality. And, I wanna, I want, and God is answering questions about that final ultimate reality in Jesus Christ. And is, he's giving you reasons. And then finally, question number seven who are the ultimate participants in this reality? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you that, um, uh, just to, so you can answer the question for yourself, and if you want to come to me. I, I, can, I, can I, question number five is this, right? So if you want to do that, fine. I'd be glad to, to have some fun. All the answers to these questions are in Psalm 150. 
all of these questions to God. Amen? Ultimate reality. That's what we're after. Right? Amen? We're, uh, we're after ultimate reality in Christ. Right? Christ is. He's the great I am. He, he invites us into his reality. Satan and the world invites us into their reality. God invites you into him. Amen? So we want to go there. So today we're going to just continue. We're going to continue this um, uh, significance of Psalm 50 looking at the. But I want to go now to the first question because I really, I, I really messed it up last week. Really should have started here. And the first question that we want to ask is what is the ultimate activity that we're going to do in, in that glorious last state? Ooh, very simple. Right? Praise. What Psalm 50? What, how does it begin? Psalm 50? Do we, do we have a do we have a slide for the for the verse for that? Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise Him. Say praise. 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 What are we gonna do as an ultimate reality? Praise. That doesn't mean. Don't, don't, don't think that, okay, well, for, the, for a million years we're going to be have white robes and we're like this. Yeah. It's more than that, right? It's more than that. But the, the, the way God describes all that we will do as an ultimate reality, the way it pleased God to describe that is, how does he describe it? Praise. Praise. It's not evangelizing. It's not Bible study. It's not serving. There are a lot of good things, a lot of great things that we can do that God is pleased with. But in Psalm 150, God selects one ultimate reality, and He said, use that as right as to describe the ultimate activity you and I will be absorbed in, and it's called. Now, right off the bat, that should convict some, some of us, right? <laughs> right? I hope you can see the connections. I don't need to go any further because the Holy Spirit makes connections. It's the ultimate reality that God is going to push. And all that God is pushing in all of history whether it be in Cuba, in China, in Russia, right? It doesn't matter. All the reality is pushing towards that. Right? God is a God of order. He's not just doing random divine things. <laughs> He's going somewhere. Amen? He has an end in view. And that end, the best word that describes that end in the Bible is praise. You know, so many people are confused about life. What am, I, what am I called to do? So this ultimate reality, you know, is praise. Now, and you see that clearly, you know, when you read Psalm 150, praise is no longer a bookend. You know, remember we talked about that Psalm 146, Psalm 147, Psalm 148, Psalm 149 have one thing in common. And what is it? It starts with praise the Lord and it ends with praise the Lord. So if you read Psalms 
It's going to start with praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And hallelujah. By the way, do you know that there is one word in all the languages of the Bible, in all the languages in the world, that is common? What is it? Hallelujah. You could go to any, and if the gospel has penetrated that culture, right? Because it's not, right? Has, the gospel has to penetrate. You could go to any culture. And you hear them say, I got one word. <laughs> right? I got one word. I got one word. It's hallelujah. How do you say it in Spanish? Hallelujah. How do you say it in English? Hallelujah. What are the languages we have here? What, what, anybody else speak any, any kind of foreign language other than tongues? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But, um, Anybody else speak any foreign language? German? Anybody speak German? No? Okay. Nobody. Nobody. That's kind of strange. Nobody. We need a little more diversity. <laughs> you know, but, but it's hallelujah. You know, so in Psalm 146 through 149, bookend, bookend, Psalm 150, every single verse we've already mentioned that is literally prayer. It's no longer, you know, periodic. Psalm 146, Psalm 47, there's a periodicness of beginning and end. Psalm 150, praise is everywhere. Praise, you cannot, you cannot navigate any verse in Psalm 150 that is not somehow shaped by what? Praise. Right? And so, but why do I say that? Because there ought to be something in us that groans for that. Amen? I love my sister who's praying today. She mentioned we groan. And I had this scripture here, Romans 8, 22, 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of us groan inwardly. In other words, there's something about Psalm 150 that we're being pulled to. We're being pulled to. Amen? And that's the groan. I don't know about you. I don't like the fact that I have to praise in the morning, go to work, <laughs> and try to praise it during the day, but I'm distracted with the cares of life. Uh, right? How many of us, can we, can we say that? Amen? We're distracted. We're not constantly engaged in a conscious way with God because we got these responsibilities. I hate that. I want to be in God's presence all the time. Amen. I mean, it's not that complicated. I mean, I don't care how fun life is. You know, Disney World, Dorney Park, you can have that, right? I want to be in God's presence. There's something in my heart that wants to be with God all the time. And if you've been truly born again, you have the same impulse. I did not put that in there. God put that in there. I want to be with you. The, the thought of just being with God the whole time ignites my spirit. So we, so we yearn, we groan, and yet we have problems, and it's not the problem. I learned that years ago. It's not the problem that we're really aching. There's something beneath that. It's that, Lord, I just want to be with you. 
I just want to be with you. I just want to delight. I want to just go for a vacation with you forever. <laughs> right? That should be normal. Now, that impulse is not going to be the same to everybody. Right? So if you're having a little bit, praise God. If you have a little bit more, praise God. It's not going to be the same for everybody, but that impulse should be there. There's something of Psalm 150, that final reality that our spirit desires without being taught. You don't have to go to Sunday school to be taught that. It's just something that the spirit of God puts in you. Amen? So we groan. Psalm 150 is showing us that in this, in this age, this new age, it's got a lot to go. We're, we're going to be totally free from the bondage of our earthly corruption completely free that opposes our praise and our worship to God. There is, you don't realize it, how, how much there's opposition. But in that age, we're going to enjoy the total freedom of that. Amen? Look at Isaiah 35, 10. Isaiah 35. And the ransom of the Lord shall return, and they shall come to Zion with singing. What kind of joy is coming? Everlasting, say that. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen. Another little picture of what God has for our lives. Amen. So tell me, let me ask you a simple question. If this is true in the last state, that the primary mark of the redeemed will be praise. The primary activity will be praise. Don't you think it would be reasonable to conclude that praise, albeit imperfect, should mark our lives today? Should, is it reasonable to conclude, if that's my final state, shouldn't I give glimpse of that here on earth? Absolutely. If there's no praise in somebody's life, Lord have mercy. Because are we being fitted for a new world or not? Now, we're, none of us are perfect. We're not, like, we're not saying that, that you have to be um, shouting up a storm every 24 hours a day. But I'm saying that you, there are glimpses where you are caught up in the praises of God. That should be happening periodically. Should be happening as you engage with God. It, right? We're going, that's where, if the last state is a glory of popcorn, don't you think that once in a while you'll be eating popcorn? Of course. Right? I mean, it's like a child can understand if that's where we're going and we have that world already in us by the power of the spirit we have that world in us right we are a new what creation so the new world has already in here the new world the new impulse the new desire that new world is already in me now how can i not have impulses towards the new world glory <laughs> that's so exciting to me that we don't have to Live with, you know, one day the Lord will just take me home. 
<laughs> but for now, life is horrible. No. You can enter into that little by little by the grace of the Holy Spirit. The question is, how much, are you, how much do you want it? Right? I mean, like, like God invites you. Come on. God invites you. I and mean, Jesus, while he was on earth, he did walk on water. He didn't wait until he was resurrected to walk on water. He already walked on water. Right? It's, it's like the Holy Spirit's inviting us. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you are in your flesh. Yes, you are in your, but I, I've got things. You, you, I've, you got the Holy Spirit. Uh, come on, work with me here. I, I can do glorious things on this side of heaven. Amen? And we got to really, like, get a vision for that and not be content with, like, well, I'm doing good in the Lord. Praise God, but, but, but there's more. There's more. God wants to do more. God wants to do glorious things. Yeah, we won't be perfect. Don't think that this, you're going to eventually arrive. You're not going to arrive. But God will, God will satisfy that desire. So that ought, to be, that ought to be something that we pursue every day. Amen? If that's the end, right? Secondly, you know, it's interesting to observe that the ultimate activity, the ultimate eschatological activity in that new age, in that final age, is described as an activity of the emotions. That's kind of weird. Out of all things, it's, um, it's um, an emotional thing that, that God is, is, is highlighting. It's not doing. It's not doing a task. It's not a knowledge. It's not a teaching. It's something that is um, an emotion-filled activity. That's interesting, right? Why is that? You know, I, w- I would have been, it would have been like, oh, you know, know the Lord. Right? Know, right? Let's go to Psalm 150. Just, just throw that. Know the Lord. Know God in the sanctuary. Know, right? He could have put it that way. Be like, hey, man, we're going to know God. Know him in his mighty heavens. <laughs> it's like, right? Let's go. V- verse 2. Or do we have verse 2 up there? Let's bring up verse 2. You know, just bring it up. I don't have, have that. You know, and, and we just replace praise with knowing, right? Or learning. Or serving. Just, just let's replace it. Serve the Lord. Serve God. And serve, you know, it doesn't say that. It says he highlights an intensely emotional activity. Why is that? The word praise, hallel, right, means joyful boasting, rejoicing, exaltation. It's, it's the idea of joy, happiness. And it expresses really two things. The word is going to express an intensely emotional activity and the idea that it's joyful, that's rejoicing. And secondly, it's an intensely vocal activity, right? Uh, Emotional, something affection, something of joy, right? And the other one is vocal. The word halal implies a vocal proclamation of the glories of God. Now, we get a glimpse of that. What does that look like? Isaiah chapter 6. 
gives us the cherubims, right, who stood before the presence of God. And did they just say, did they just say like this? Was that, the, was that the cherubims? Was that what they were doing? What were they doing? Holy, holy, right? <laughs> and, 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 the, and, the, and the threshold of the temple just like shook. So it's, it's joyful, vocal. You know what's interesting about this word here is um, the word halal also means to shine. I think this is beautiful. It also comes from a root that means to shine, to radiate. Look at Job 29, 20, Job 29 verses 1 to 3. And Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone. Same word. Same root word. Comes from the root halal. Halal and halal. To shine. To radiate. <laughs> I believe this is no accident. I believe that in this new age, praise will be more than just emotional, more than just vocal. Remember, we're in the last state. I believe that praise is going to be more than that. Praise will be an activity that involves the entire person. Isn't that awesome? I was thinking about this, that, man, sometimes words are just not enough. <laughs> sometimes have you ever felt that like Lord I just want I just want my entire <laughs> I, just want, I, want, I, you know, I would love that the, the hairs of my head could go like this <laughs> you want every molecule to just like right just to like <laughs> praise God am I, am I the only one <laughs> you, want, you want my toes to be like Whoo, you guys are happy too yes yes <laughs> right I mean it's like it's like we're contained just here. Right? It's okay. But, but I think what's happening in the new age, something glorious is going to happen. And God knows that. I believe that the magnificent radiance of light will be correspondence to the praise. So as we say, praise God. Praise God. Gonna, I, think gonna, I think praise is just going to be this, just not just a vocal thing, not just an emotional thing, but it's going to be this magnificent radiance that will flow out from it in beauty. Isn't that awesome? That, you, know, you, you, you know, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. That's, praise God for that. I'm not putting that down. But I don't know about you. God is worthy of more than just my voices. And if we can somehow get the entire bodily organism consciously involved in making God great. Wouldn't that be awesome? So I believe that if one praises God, the whole person is going to be engulfed in the magnificence of life as an expression of that praise. Where do we get that from? Well, we, we, get, we get that from Daniel. There's some scriptures that really give us a glimpse. It's in Daniel 12, 3. And those who are wise, what, they, what are they going to do? 
<laughs> what are they going to do? They're going to shine. You, you think that's a metaphor? I mean, it's a metaphor, but do you think that it's merely a metaphor? Do you think that that's just something? No, you're going to shine. You're going to shine. You're going to be like, whoa. If, if we were to see the saints in heaven, we would be like, this is beautiful. Shining in all kinds of colors and beauty and magnificence. Not just the clothing that you put on, but from the inside. Oh, God. <laughs> right? Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. Amen? Those who turn many to rise are like the stars forever. We're going to shine in Christ, right? Look at Matthew 13. Even Jesus says, Jesus says, Matthew 13, 43. Then the righteous will what? What they will do? Shine like the sun. And I think that that shine is consistent through the praise. It's not just going to be shining. But it's because it's part and parcel of this life of praise that we're going to, that there will be a glorious just shining. You know, Isaiah 61 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Isaiah 61. Do I have that one? Isaiah 61. Rise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord. Um, Perhaps one of the reasons that the glory of the Lord has risen upon us is precisely because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? Right? Psalm 60. 60 verse 1 verse Psalm, Isaiah, Isaiah sorry Isaiah 60 verse 1 maybe maybe the reason why that we're shines because God inhabits the praises of his people look at Psalm 22 verse 3 yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel I don't have that one either Psalm 22 3 so we're getting a glimpse praises You know, and like I said, God's, one of the interesting things that you find in the Bible is that God's commands the emotions. So you have to reckon with that. You have to say, well, it's not by emotions. Well, it's not. Faith it transcends emotions. You're absolutely right. So then why does God command emotions? There's a good reason why God, God commands. I learned this years ago. There's a reason why God commands emotions. Have you considered why God commands emotions? The commanding of emotions just opened my eyes. Just realized, okay, uh, how, do, does God command the emotions? Yes. Look at Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and, and utter kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Verse 12, what does he say? It's an imperative verb. Rejoice. I'm commanding you to rejoice. And what else? Luke 20, Luke 10, 20. Um, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but, command, imperative, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. It's a command. Which one is greater? Thou shalt not kill or rejoice that your name's in heaven? Which one is, which one is more, has weighty, is weightier? <laughs> you know? 
God commanded it, it's all the same. There's no distinction. No, Paul, the Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah. But no, it's all. Everything that God commands, he expects. Romans 12, 12. Romans 12, 12. What? Okay, here we go again. Rejoice in hope. Command. He's commanding you to rejoice. Uh, Philippians 4, 4. Apostle Paul even gets into, the, into this game. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Okay. Uh, okay, so help me out here. Uh, let me, if I were to say, um, okay, Matthew, tomorrow, 2 o'clock, um, rejoice tomorrow, 2 o'clock, start rejoicing. Will he be able to do that? <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, um, Arthur, be angry at 2.15 two today. Be like, okay. And then what he has to do is like, okay, my neighbor, my neighbor, my neighbor, my neighbor. Like, like, like. And even, and even at the end of the day, you'd be like, my neighbor, oh, he, but, but I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not that upset. <laughs> and you're like, panic, because the Lord says to be angry. The Lord says to have joy. I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. Does that make sense? So why wouldn't the Lord, would the, why wouldn't the Lord would command emotions? That just doesn't make sense. He's commanding us to praise. Why would the Lord command something that we have no power? Well, first of all, the commanding of our emotions shows you, ah, you don't have free will. Because if I have free will, I'm going to choose to be happy. How many have worked? I failed all the time. I remember, I, I remember as a young Christian saying, like, what? I can't control my emotions. How can you command my emotions, God? It's not fair. It's not, it's not fair that you do. Come on, God. Command me not to steal. Oh, I got that one. Right? Not to steal. Oh, I'm not stealing. Look at emotions. God, that's not fair. You see, the commanding of our emotions is a, just a wonderful, practical, powerful reminder of the impossibility of fulfilling God's will. And I thank God for the command to my emotions. Because if it were not for the command to the emotions, I think I would have said, oh, Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Ah, that's, I got that. I got that. Uh, honor your father and mother. I got that too. But God, I mean, this is, this is a piece of cake, right? Honor, you know, keep the Sabbath. You got it, bud. I'm not going to steal. Don't covet. Fantastic. And we go about, right? And the ranks, the ranks to my confidence. Rejoice. <laughs> I was like, what? It awakens us to something that is so real. Look, look, at, look at Romans 7, 9 and 10. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandments came, sin came alive, and I died. I died when God commanded. 
All of God's commands were meant to show us how much we need God. The truth is, all of God's commands are outside the power of your own faculties. And that set me free. I was like, <laughs> you see, it reminded me when, um, when Jesus healed the paralytic. You know, the, the, the Jews had to learn this lesson. Though. Let's go to Matthew 2. This is great because Jesus, Jesus does the same thing. He said, you, you guys are so silly. You're silly. I got to show you something. So I'm going to show you something. He says, and behold, some people brought to him a paralytic. And lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Verse 3. Uh, Behold, some of the scribes said to them, This man is blaspheming. Jesus, verse 4, knowing their thoughts, he says, Do you, um, Why do you think evil in your heart? You're making a conclusion that you really know, have no idea. But I get it. I get it. What happened when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven? Did the paralytic say, oh, oh, I feel it. Did he, did he do that? No. He didn't do nothing. He was like, whatever. <laughs> right? Did something special happen to the paralytic when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven? Doesn't tell us. Right? So, these Pharisees, how dare you? Oh, God, can you get right? And Jesus says, let me ask you something, you smart aleck. Which one is harder? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? Which one is harder? What's the answer to that question? What was that? Nope. What was that? Nope. They're both impossible. <laughs> One is not easier than the other. They're both impossible. <laughs> I mean, right, it's like, we, we just, you know, we're, so, we're sometimes so full of ourselves. We think that, oh, you know, he walked, and that's easier, and then we can. But no, at the end of the day, only God can forgive sin, and only God can cause you to rise up and walk. No, one is not easier. That's what Jesus says sarcastically. Um, uh, which one is easier? And they, they're all like, oh, yep. But the problem is that one that you don't see, forgiveness of sin is kind of hidden. Right? You don't see forgiveness of sin, reaction. Okay, when Jesus forgives your, your sins, your skin turns green. Does that happen? No. There's no. In the forgiveness of sin, in the immediate forgiveness of sin, you don't have any immediate evidence that anything actually happened. Why not? Because the forgiveness of sin is what? Something that happens what? Inwardly, spiritually. You don't see happening. So we, so these diseases, uh, uh, Pharisees, they they, they, they they oh, how dare you? But Jesus said, verse six, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority 
on the earth. Please forgive this. Rise up. Walk. <laughs> you know, the, the idea that that's the evidence that he's got the power to forgive sin. Rise up and walk. He's God. He can make it happen. And if he can make that happen, he can sure forgive sin. When God commands the emotions, he does the same thing. Which is easier? You shall not kill or praise the Lord? Which one is easier? But in order that you may know that you cannot keep, thou shalt kill, not kill. In order that you may know that, the Lord says to you, rejoice in the Lord always. Do you get what I'm saying? He awakens us to our need for God. So what you see in Psalm 150 is the absolute fulfillment of God's promises to overcome our greatest enemy. The thing that we know that we cannot command, we cannot, we cannot be rejoicing just at whatever I want. I wish I can just say, be happy. Right? What, what's that slogan that we saw? Don't worry. Be happy. How many of you guys were able to overcome that one? <laughs> as soon as you, you say it, you got 600 worries coming in, <laughs> knocking at your door. The Lord commands the emotions. So Psalm 150 reminds us that um, God, the goal is praise. It means that everything, everything else is a means to an end. The end is praise. It means that God is declaring something in the end that has to do, right? And Satan is going to oppose that. Satan is going to oppose your praise of God. You know, I, I want to encourage you, be here on time. When you, do you know, every, if, I, if all I said is true, and you can debate, you can say, I'm not, I don't agree with Emmanuel. If all that I said is true, that in the last state, the final reality will be praise then should we come late? Should we come, you know, just haphazardly? Or should we be here to cultivate that last state? Should we just kind of take a nonchalant, you know, the, the worship of God's people, right? The worship of God's people, right, is this final reality. That means when we gather together, I hope and pray that all that I said today will help you to elevate the gathering together with God's people so that when you come in, you should be in a Psalm 150 frame of mind. This is what I'm going to be doing for all eternity. Some aspect of this. Clearly, there's going to be a thousand times glory. But don't miss the moment that, that as we come before the presence of God, you now can like begin to cultivate a reality, right? I mean, in, in this present moment, but still launch with your heart, with your spirit, with the help of God to begin to say, God, bring this reality to me right now. And the moments that we have to do that, primarily, in my opinion, because there's no lone Christians in heaven, there are no lone, in heaven, you will never have a moment by yourself. Just get ready about that. So everyone's going to be next to this. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. There's no more isolated period. Uh, 
Ashley, what are you doing in that corner by yourself? I mean, no, it's just me at times by myself. <laughs> hey, that ain't happening. It's game over. We're going to always be together, amen, with Jesus forever. So, you, so the, the moment that we come in, this is it. This is it. You ever remember that song? This is it. It's not, when you, it's not climactically when you're in your room alone. That's good. But when we gather together, that's special. And that gathering is pointing towards Psalm 157. I want to encourage you, um, just, just elevate the understanding that when we gather together, there are things that God wants to do to co- connect us to that reality. So that when we leave this place, we, we're, right, we're filled. I, I was telling Laura, I said, man, you know, I don't like to tell this story because people, you know, oh, he's got cancer. You're not gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're gonna die soon. But I told her, I said, I don't know, I don't know how much longer I have to live. But I know my life. I feel like I'm dying every month. I feel like ever since I have cancer, and praise God, I'm in remission. But I feel like I'm halfway there. I, I almost feel like Elijah. <laughs> like while I'm living, I'm being translated. I don't know what it is, and I told us, I don't know. I just want to let you know that my heart longs for that world to come. And the things of this world is growing strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I have no apologies for that. You know, in the beginning, I was I didn't want to tell her because I don't want this worry. But there is part of me entering in. To, to like be, we long for that. How much, we, how much time are we going to have? We don't, none of us know. Let's be honest, none of us really know how much time we're going to be here. But don't you want to begin, begin that transition? I mean, God wants to, us to begin that. He's not saying, well, I'm going to wait until you're 62 years old and until, and then, we're 60, then we can begin the transition. And I'll take, I'll take 20 years. No, God wants us to begin the transition at 21. To lay, lay aside this world lay hold of the kingdom of God and say, oh God, something glorious is coming. Amen? So my heart to you is, let's praise God. Amen? And let's remind how much, Psalm 150 is a reminder to Satan that he's defeated. He's nowhere to be found. Amen? No more talk of Satan. No more talk of demons. It's over. Amen? Look at Psalm 18.3. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my end. I hope you understand the connection between praise and the defeat of the devil. Praise and the triumph of Christ in your life. There is an indelible connection between praising God and the defeat of the enemies. Amen? Psalm 150 is a perfect example that when we praise God, there's no room for the devil. Uh, We are occupied with one thing alone, and that is God. Don't let the devil say, well, give me 10% of your mind. No, none. I'm going to fill my life with praising God. Amen? Your calling in life is praise. It's amazing how many young people and old folks sometimes, oh, I wonder what the Lord is calling me to. Man, get rid of that. What is the Lord calling you to? I'm going to be a doctor. I mean, those are valid questions. But in light of eternity... Put them in perspective. 
That's going to end. God called me to be a computer programmer for 17 years. <laughs> and now what, right? Like, and I think a lot of people fail to realize the things in life because they don't put the main things first. God is calling us to a life of praise above any secular calling, above any business opportunity, God is calling you to a life of praise, a life of worship, a life of adoration. Work on that. Pray for that. You know, let, you know, I mean, Jesus tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things which we do need. We need to pray. We need to uh, put food on the table. We need to support our, Absolutely. If you don't provide your family, you're worse than an infidel. Absolutely. But first things first. Let, 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 let's seek God first. Let's seek the kingdom of God first. Lay aside those, those things. The world's falling apart at the seams. We have been, look at Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, and with this we close. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to what? The purpose of his what? His pleasure. Amen? Don't just think, well, the will of the Lord. Pleasure. Pleasure. According to the pleasure of God, right? He destined us according to his pleasure. What is that pleasure? Say it together. The rest part. The rest part. Say it together. To the play, praise of his glorious grace. That's, let's go back to verse 5. Like, right? According to the purpose. Purpose of God for your life. The, right, the purpose of God, his pleasure for you, that's what it means. His pleasure for you is what? Next verse. It is to praise his glorious grace. But a lot of people say, like, oh, that's okay. Lord, I want to be, be a doctor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm making six figures. <laughs> Are you serious? Are you serious? You know, we get so excited about these earthly, secular the dead end jobs, literally dead ends. Why are there dead ends? Because I, you're going to die. <laughs> it's a dead end wherever you go. But no, and those things are important. Trust me, I know that. But boy, it's time for us to say, Lord, I want to really seize my purpose in life. And that purpose is in Christ Jesus. And Psalm 150 tells you what that purpose is. It is simply in one word. Praise. So meditate on these things. Say, God, uh, make me a sacrifice of praise. Make me live a life of praise. Sing songs to him. Make melody to the, to the Lord with your heart. Delight yourself and like, cultivate that. And your, your feelings will not be there most of the time. But because God commanded the emotions, we have great confidence that what? Emotions will come because God commands what he desires. He does, it's not a suggestion. When he says rejoice in the Lord, it's not a mere, God is giving his word and his power. And he says you're going to rejoice. It may take a while, but you will rejoice because I said so, the Lord said. Amen? So let's let God deal with our emotions, but he will bring us to the promised land. And that promised land is a life of joy and Glorious rejoicing in God. Amen?
Why don't we stand up? Let's stand up. And we're going to sing a song. Let's sing a song. You know, we can't just move on. And let's, 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 let's sing that great song, Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. And, um, and I just want to encourage you on these next couple of minutes, even before we go home,